Good to see you all. Good to see some uh, visiting faces as well. And there's some faces I haven't seen for a while. That's awesome to see you all here as well. And then greeting you guys online. We have half of our new streaming system put in. So it should work. <laughs> so uh, y'all, we got to see you there online too. Register your attendance if you're online. Also, I'm not sure if the bulletin made it if you got through the church website. You can find the bulletin if you go to the 
Facebook page, you know, go to 1111 Downtown Facebook page and just, you'll find it there. I'm sure that our friend Nancy Derringer has put it up there or maybe doing so as I speak. So you can find it there. You all here have it here. If you didn't, there's more back in the back. You can pick it up when we greet one another in just a minute. Also, register your attendance on your cards there so we know who's with us. Um, I always see faces, and I always am happy to see your faces, and then I go home, and then I get back to the office on Monday, and then I go, I don't think anybody was there on Sunday. And it's, I just don't know. I just go, it's a blank. So write your name down. Just put your name down. It's just nice to know you were here with us. Same for you guys online. Also, um, if you are visiting for the first time, we got a bunch of these things we want to give away. Just our wonderful little 1111 tumblers. Pick one back, uh, pick one up at the back. Marty's back there. He'll be happy to give you one as well. One of our little 1111 tumblers. Um, coming up on the 23rd, my wife will be in here preaching. She's retiring. Linda McDermott, Reverend Linda's retiring on the 30th. Preaches on the 16th in the big church. You don't have to go to the big church. You can stay here because she'll be back in here on the 23rd and deliver that sermon with us. So she's been kind of back and forth with us. Many of you remember how we had those delightful conversations when it was COVID time and we were doing everything online and we had these wonderful dialogues. Uh, and what you never knew, of course, was behind the scenes after take number 17, she was out the door with a bottle of wine and said, I'm done. <laughs> she loved working with me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we really had some of the best time there. So I hope you actually get a chance to go back and look at some of those in the archive because we really did have a beautiful moment in doing that experience. So, and she'll be here. I couldn't be more excited. Um, I think that's enough for now. Um, also, if you go, if you look at the back there, I think you can scan the code there and you can get access to the app. If you can't do that there, you can just go to your phone app store or your iPad app store and look for my FUMC, M-Y-F-U-M-C, and download the app. That gets you direct to the uh, links for the worship services or any services you miss. You can do that online. You can do that in here with your phone or your or your tablet. So we have a wonderful service of music and some surprises and some reflection on perhaps a text that is not typically an Easter text, but it wouldn't be 1111 otherwise. So glad you are here this morning and looking forward to our shared uh, time together. Let's have the welcome candle. I guess they thought this was a two-person job. Yeah, it is. It is. Three at the moment. Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many does it take to light it? <laughs> There's a joke in there. There is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome, everyone. You know, it is nice to see many, many familiar faces and a lot of new faces today. So um, we obviously read the welcome candle and the, and the greeting, and it is from, um, uh, I, Tom can give me more detail, but from a gentleman named Rumi. Rumi. Yes. And I've seen, I looked at it. I wanted to kind of just get an idea about it. And I did see sometimes they define it with wanderer, but sometimes they use the word wanderer. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, Tom's going to make us wonder about some things today. So, all right. Wander. Or wander. Right. All right. Okay. Come, 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 whoever you are, wanderer, wanderer worshiper, lover of leaving, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Ours, Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come. Even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come yet again. Thank you, Don and MJ. 1111, would y'all please stand and sing this big righteous hymn with us, please? 
And also, would you welcome our special guest this morning, David Rosario down there on the saxophone. Leo Sines on the little tiny baby trumpet. Hannah Kirby on the fiddle and singing in a loud dress. We appreciate that. All right, here we go, y'all. Y'all just take a moment now and offer one another a sign of peace, would you please?
Happy Easter. I'd like to read a poem by Client Smith uh, called All at Once. The red woods are on fire in California. A flood submerges a neighborhood that sat quiet on the coast for three centuries. A child takes her first steps and tumbles into a father's arms. Two people in New Orleans fall in love under an oak whose branches bend like sorrow. A forest of seed and seeds are planted in new soil. A glacier melts in the ocean and the sea climbs closer to land. A man comes home from a war and holds his son for the first time. A man is killed by a drone that thinks his jug of water is a bomb. Your son's teacher calls to say he stood up for another boy in class. Your best friend relapses and isn't picking up the phone. A country below the equator ends a 20-year civil war. A soldier across the Atlantic fires the shot that begins another. The scientist finds a vaccine that will save millions of people's lives. Your mother's cancer has returned, and doctors say there is nothing else they can do. There is a funeral procession in the morning and a wedding in the afternoon. And the river that gives us water to drink is the same one that might wash us away. Thank you, Jakey. Digging the chops, bro. We're going to turn to our 1111 hymnal here and sing another good one from uh, Iris Dement. Uh, we ask you guys to sing along with us while you're seated. Here we go. Here's the chorus. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worrying about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. Nobody knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Now the verse. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever. Some say you're gonna come back. Some say you rest in the arms of the Savior if in sinful ways you lack. Some say that they're coming back in a garden, but your carrots and little sweet peas. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Of course, everybody's wondering where and where they all came from. Everybody's worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. Nobody knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Elena? Some say they're going to a place called glory and I ain't saying it ain't a fact. But I've been told that I'm on the road to purgatory and I don't like the sound of 
Good morning, my friends, my family, my loved ones. Right here in this room, there's enough love for all that need to receive it today. I hope you feel that. I certainly do. And so as we come to this time of Kairos, I want to invite you to join me in a time of quiet centering. And if you're new to this community, what we share in this time is clock time that ain't counted. This is time away from time. This is time to be rather than to do. So what I'd like you to do <laughs> is to find a comfortable position in your chair to let yourself relax for a moment and just breathe in deeply the awareness that here we are together. What a mystery. What a miracle. And breathe in that all you left behind and all that's coming next is not right now. We take a break. Take a breath. And let that mystery be what it is. Breathing in and breathing out. That where we are right now, right here, is enough. It is beautiful. We are loved beyond measure. And we can extend that love to one another, but only if we receive that love ourselves. So we breathe in and we breathe out on this day of celebration, whatever that means for you. We join together now to accept our shared humanity in the mystery of all that is. We breathe and we share in the beauty of being together. May joy surround your heart this day.
Hi, everybody. Happy Easter, the day when we remember things can change so that on our dark days we keep hope. The scripture reading for today is from John 10, 29 to 38, and this is from the Inclusive Bible. Are we going to get to see it? Maybe. Jesus continued and said, Abba and I are one. With that, the temple authorities reached again for rocks to stone him. Jesus protested and said, I have shown you many good works from Abba God. For which of these do you stone me? It's not for any good works that we're stoning you, they replied, but for blaspheming. You're human, yet you make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered, isn't it written by the prophet in your law? I said, you are God's. So the law uses the word God's of those to whom the word of God was addressed. And scripture can't be broken, yet you say to someone whom Abba God has consecrated and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I say I am God's begotten. If I am not doing God's work, there is no need to believe in me. But if I am doing God's work, even if you don't believe in me, at least Believe in the work I do, and then you'll know for certain that God is in me, and I am in God.
stay up here for a bit because I'm not going to be too long. And if I start getting too long, uh, Hannah over here will just kind of pinch me. <laughs> and, uh, could, you know, or, or Brad can kick me up. And I have a reason I want to do that too uh, because I'm going to surprise you here. I would love to hear a reprisal of our opening song at the end. Y'all sure. want to hear that again? I have a feeling... I have a feeling I saw a lot of folks coming in at the end because of parking situation stuff, and so I thought we might want to do that one more time after that last song, if we can snap back to that and do that again. So this hope in a hopeless world, I, the, I, we picked this song, we picked that verse. What a, what a powerful poem by, by, uh, by, by um, Client, um, now I forgot his name now. It's Client Smith, easy name to forget. Client Smith, and, and it, the, the poem is called All at Once. And he's an amazing poet. He, he uh, is also an amazing author, so check him out as some of his stuff. But I, when I heard this poem this last week, I thought, that's it. That's kind of the reality of our lives. We're, we're in the midst of everything all the time. It's all at once. We're celebrating a birth, and somewhere else someone is mourning a loss. We're enjoying the growth of flowers, and somewhere else the uh, seas are, uh, you know, the seas are rising and the ice and the ice caps are, are melting. I mean, we live in the midst of all of this tension, even as we're celebrating resurrection and what that might mean. There is also loss and sorrow, and the challenge for us, of course, is this idea of waking up, which has been the series uh, for, that we've been doing the past six weeks of Lent, is looking at this idea of waking up, but it's hard to do. Waking up is really hard to think about. How many encounters you've had this week or watched on the media or listened to or, or heard about from someone else of encountering someone that was another one of those awkward, difficult, uncomfortable conversations or something that you read that just made you even madder or more frustrated? Resurrection says that shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be getting frustrated. You shouldn't be angry. Love somehow changes all of that. But waking up is hard to do. And there's a lot of us that are asleep. So this woman goes upstairs, and she starts rapping on her son's door, and she says, Robert, it's time to get up. This morning, Robert's in the bedroom and says, I don't want to. She knocks on the door harder. Robert, I said you've got to get up. He says, I don't want to. She said, Robert, he says, I'll tell you three reasons why. The first one is, I don't like school. The second one is, the kids make fun of me. And the third one is, the teachers don't like me. And she said, Robert, I'll give you three reasons why you need to get up. The first is, you'll learn a lot at school. The second is, you're 45 years old. <laughs> and the third is, you're the principal. So, yeah, it's a joke, it's funny, but the truth is, how many of us don't really, we find it so hard to wake up to who we really are, right? I mean, resurrection, if it says anything, says it love, love triumphs over death. That's the ancient Christian tradition. But if it says anything, and if we look at our text today, it's also saying it's in the midst of our reality. Now, even as Jesus said, we're in the midst of the kingdom of God, it's already present how do we change that? We should be living into who we are already, and yet we fall prey to this idea of 
how much we cannot wake up. We fall prey to this idea of how much it's, how difficult it is and how fearful it is and how scary it is to be vulnerable in these situations. So I'm going to say at the start, because I've been here now for, all, I don't know, nine or ten years in, in working with you guys in this community, and I would say in all of that time that I have learned a lot, and I'm still learning a lot. But I finally come to this idea that I am now a defiant mystic who is definitely, definitely sure of things that I have yet to learn. That's my disclaimer. But I'm pretty sure that I'm right about that. And being a defiant mystic is where I think we miss it in most of Christianity, is this idea of moving into the flames or moving into the midst of the hopelessness or moving into the midst of, this lo of the loss, as hard as that is, because that is exactly where the hope is. It is in the midst of the messiness. It is in the midst of this journey of struggling to try to understand more that we find the light. What was it Rumi said? Hold on to the sorrow, hold on to the pain, because that's how the light gets in. And then Leonard Cohen wrote that great song, Let the Bells Ring, Ring the Bells That Still Can Ring, Forget Your Perfect Offering. There is a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. And I love that phrase, and many of us do love that phrase. Many of us have leaned on that phrase in difficult times. But I guarantee what you found as you've leaned on that phrase, is the light surfaced from within. It may have come because someone leaned with you. It may have come because someone listened to you as you needed to tell that story, as you needed to sift through the pain and sorrow, and in the process of that, reveal the light that was still there. We have to find the hope in the midst of the hopelessness. We have to find the common ground in the midst of the division. You see that connection? That's the hard thing, is finding that. Uh, the Jungian psychologist Michael Mead said that soul work is, is how we find a way to hold in tension both the opposites, the, the pain and the joy, the hope and the hopelessness, the dark and the light, death and life, this is our reality that we live in the midst of. To be true and, and, and uh, to live into the fullness of our soul is to learn how to hold that with equanimity. Is to learn how to hold that with that ambiguity there and to live in the midst of it. And, and we live in a time where ambiguity is scary. The central problem of our culture, the central problem of our church right now, the Methodist church, but the church in general, is not the stuff that we are talking about. Did you know that? If you've ever been to a family therapist, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The family therapist goes like, yeah, everybody likes to point their finger at that one. That's the one that's acting up. The scapegoat. That's what they were saying to Jesus when Jesus was there talking to them. They're literally looking at him when he says, I'm doing good stuff. And they go, we know, and they throw a rock. And they say, because you don't think like us. We call that scapegoating. We don't like something about you. We don't even know you that well because we haven't listened that well. We haven't got to know you. We haven't leaned into you. But because you're different, we'll find enough that we can blame you for what we're feeling because we can't put our thumb on it. 
We can't put our finger on it. So in the dysfunctional system we are in, we look for someone to blame. So the church looks at the LGBTQ community and, and will start focusing on that. Or then the society looks at transgender individuals and will point at that. Because it's easy to point where we haven't leaned in to listen. You see how that happens. And any family systems therapist would sit back and go, the huge elephant in this room is that you don't see how you are all interconnected. You don't see how you are all grounded in the same love, in the same God of resurrection, in the same sacredness and holiness. However you want to think about it, we are all interconnected and intertwined with all of life. But we don't live like we are, and we don't see it. And so we live in a dysfunctional reality. And it's not easy to get there. So, I want to throw up this first image because I saw this book and I love the image. So, typically, we have this orientation, right? In our world right now, you're either with us or against us. But this author decided to just put that up there and then say, you are us. And I cannot remember the author's name, but that's the title of the book. You can go look it up. <laughs> but I love this idea because it reminded me of Valerie Carr, the woman who started the Sikh woman, who started the uh, Revolutionary Love Project. I've talked about her before. And has a great book called See No Stranger. And what she says in there is that other people that you don't know that are strangers are not really strangers. They're simply a part of you you do not know yet. And you are a part of them they do not know yet. How hard is it for us to get that in our heads? And Jesus is going like, you're gods. Your own scriptures say it. You are the Imago Dei in the world. But we'll pick up stones and throw at each other and do anything rather than to be vulnerable enough to be in that place of ambiguity. And that's where our maturity begins to happen. That's where we practice resurrection is when we lean with vulnerability into that unknown space to find the connections. You all know what I'm talking about. You know this is true. And yet I know because I've talked with many of you in different, at different points over the last year. And as much as we've talked about this idea, it is so hard to practice it. So here's point number one, if I can find it here. Yes. You, can all, you can't always think your way into right action, but you can learn to act your way into right thinking. I'll say that again. You can't always think your way into right action, but you can begin to act your way into right thinking. And it's hard because that means you have to kind of pretend you have to start acting as if. So that even Jesus at the end of the text would look at those that are throwing stones at him and says, look, okay, if you can't think that I'm God because it doesn't match with how you say things, it doesn't match with your creed or with your understanding, with your logical understanding or your language, it's not even logic, we already said it's dysfunctional, but your language, we, if you can't identify me with that, at least identify me by what I'm doing. If you can't Think your, act, think your way into right action. Act your way into right thinking. Some of you all know this story. It's a powerful story. 19, in uh, 2015, June 17th, a young white man was welcomed into one of the oldest black churches in Charleston, South Carolina, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. And you know the story. The young man went in and he sat with them. 
He went to Bible study with him, and then after about an hour, he stood up and he shot nine of the 13 and killed them. And then he turned the gun on himself and was out of ammunition, and so he was arrested. arrested. And Dylan Ruth, in his first court appearance, the families of those who were slain at Emmanuel Church showed up and to a person stood up, thanked him and the court for the reminder that hate will not have the last word, and forgave him, and said they would endeavor to try to understand why and how and who he was, but that the last word in this experience would not be hate. And they acknowledged they're in deep pain, and they acknowledged that they are angry, and they acknowledged they didn't see how they were going to be able to put their lives back together, but they also acknowledged that the first step to putting their life back together was that hate wasn't going to be the road that they traveled to get there. It was going to be forgiveness, mercy, and love. What a powerful witness. Because in our world, you're either for us or against us, right? In our world, it's retribution. In our world, it's eye for an eye. In our world, it's competition. It's a zero-sum narrative. But Jesus was saying, that's not this world. This world that I am talking about is about shared living, shared existence, the ground of our very being being shared together and sacred. Carl Jung would say that holding those tensions... Holding those opposites in attention is how we find our way back to our soul. But sometimes, as I said, it's easier to act our way there than it is to think our way there. So, some of you might have known this guy. If you listen to 10... How many of you listen to 10% Happier? Anybody in here? 10% Happier, the podcast? Okay. Raise your hand. How many of you are going to go start listening to 10% Happier podcast? <laughs> You can find it if you like it. It's uh, Sam Harris who used to be the anchor, I believe, for uh, ABC News and had to break down on TV. And it's an interesting story. Not Sam Harris, Darren, Dan Harris. And he started this podcast. And while it rests in a lot of Buddhist thinking, he has a lot of amazing interviews. He interviewed this fellow, Jarvis Masters, who was on death row in San Quentin and became a Buddhist some years ago. It had changed his life because, for one thing, he's innocent, or at least the vast majority of people who know him think he's innocent, including the people he was accused of, the families whose, whose family member he was accused of killing. They all think he's innocent and just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and has been in prison now, I think, almost 15 years. So he still has appeals coming up. But in the midst of all of that ambiguity, in the midst of all of that wrongfulness, he practices a kind of equanimity that is present and filled, he says, with joy and delight. And so one afternoon, because he's, given, he's on death row, but he's given time, all the death row inmates are given some time out into the, into the yard. And so he was given some time out there, and there are some others at different distances, but there's one fellow sitting down on the bench next to him, and Jarvis is entranced with this seagull that has come in and landed in the yard. And he's staring at the seagull when the guy next to him picks up a rock and starts to throw it at the rock. I mean, throw it at the bird. And as he's about to throw it, Jarvis reaches up and grabs his arm, which is something you, of course, wouldn't do. Because even though they are there next to each other, private space becomes very obvious. It's whatever's around you that you don't move into. That is your private space. 
You don't at all step into that space or you're encroaching, encroaching upon someone and encouraging a fight. He reached up, grabbed the hand, and everybody in the yard turned immediately and stared at him. And as someone told the story later on, they said that at that moment, it got silent. He held the arm, and he said, that bird got my wings, and it flew off. And the guy who had the rock looked at him and smiled and kind of nodded knowingly, and then set the rock down. And everyone else was, was dumbfounded because they knew this was going to end up in a conflict. It was obvious who he was holding back with that rock. But, but Jarvis says it was like a Zen Cohen after that. Because after that moment, people throughout the, the jail, you know, just jail inmates, would come up and they'd say, what did you mean that bird got my wing? What, how did that help? What does that mean? And it changed the demeanor for the next several weeks as people began, as the inmates and, and even the guards, he said, began to ponder this idea of what it means to feel freedom in the midst of imprisonment. What it means to feel freedom in the midst of conflict and to see that freedom in other places and own it for yourself. It's like a Zen cone. It's messy. It's ambiguous. We're expecting things to be handed to us because that's the way we're used to life. Our answers are solved. Our problems are fixed. The wife that we're having a trouble with, she decides to be exactly as we want her to be. The husband who can't, you know, who's, who's someone we don't like certainly turns around and they're exactly what we want. The car we have gets fixed. Or the new car we want, we get. We're so used to having what we want or wanting things fixed that we don't realize the fixing is from within. Always, 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 the light shines from within first. All the other stuff, do you know what they call that? Addiction. It's attachment. It's fixated on the other stuff that keeps us from realizing we are deeply connected with one another. And it's such a challenge in our world that even those of us who uh, live with kind hearts and compassion, but we live in a kind of a comfort, we don't see it ourselves. The family therapist would come in and go, you guys, there's an elephant in here. It's real simple. You're not we, you're us. See the connection, point two, and the interdependence of things. So I want to share a last story with you. I was at the grocery store last week. I'm telling you, I am a radical, defiant mystic who is very sure of what I haven't figured out yet. But I'm willing to go out there on a limb because I'm doing all sorts of strange things like telling stories about your gods instead of celebrating life over death and eternal life and Jesus dying for our sins. I'm saying we're right here in the midst of changing the world and we have the possibility and potentiality to do that. That's what we are. We are God's presence in the world grounded in the very being of God. So I'm going to do stupid things. Well, at least I'm going to think I am. So I meet this woman who comes up to me at the store, and I don't know how we got in a conversation, but she looks at me, and she's an older woman, and she says, what do you do? Now, what I should have said was I love people. I love stories. I love finding out where our random lives find connection. 
I love spending as much time as I can looking at nature and enjoying all the interconnected wonders. I love planting things and trees. I occasionally volunteer at the Taste Project with some of my friends at 1111. <laughs> and then I also, have, um, I also could have talked about the fact that I'm a member of the International Society of Cloud Appreciation. It's real. And I am a member. <laughs> no, I didn't do that at all. I said, I'm a pastor. And she immediately went to her label, right? Because that's all we know. All we know are labels. You're this, you're that. You're what I think you are or you're not. You're either with us or against us. We don't ever go into things with mystery. We do when we walk out into nature. Why wouldn't we do it with people? <laughs> we do when we wake up in the morning and we get out on an unfamiliar road. Why wouldn't we do that with people? We, we label so quickly. And so as soon as I did that, she started talking about her, her belief system and how she was angry with those who didn't think like her. And naturally, I must have thought exactly like her and been exactly where she is and what she believed. And it became extremely awkward very quickly. Have you been in these kind of conversations? Have you found yourself in these moments where suddenly you realize, how did I get in the midst of this conversation and how do I get out of it? And you're probably thinking to yourself, what's the fastest, easiest way to get out of it? And I'm trying to tell you, no. Because that's the first place when they're throwing stones that you look into them and you go like, you don't know, you're God. You don't know that. Let me tell you, you don't know this. Now, you can't tell somebody that because they've already locked in, just like we are into our thinking. What you have to do is you have to go hunting for the common ground. You have to go hunting for the interesting story. Were you born here in Fort Worth? Did you grow up in this? Where'd you grow up? You have to start finding connection because we're more connected than we're not. And you've got to remember that. We are more connected than you are not. So that's that part two. See the connection and the interdependence. And last point, the final point is this. If I can find it here. Yeah. Practice entanglement. You want to experience the kingdom of God? You want to experience the joy, the joy and delight? Would you throw up that last quote? Practice entanglement. Make it messy, and when it gets messy, walk into it and start looking for the connection. Life is filled with exquisite beauty, and it's filled with risk. That's right. It's all going on at the same time. And the risk is entrusting that the vision of divine wholeness hidden in all things is there. And it's living with a wide enough perspective of grace and humility to finally be astonished what you didn't realize. How in the world did that woman who thinks so different from me have something so deeply in common with me? How is that possible, right? So that even in the most unlikely of moments, like Jesus, the kingdom is being resurrected right in that space. Amen. It's like stepping off a hundred foot pole. It's like holding your breath, holding.
Nice. All right, so I'm going to invite you to stand for our benediction. So good to see you all here this Easter. Hope to see you back again in the coming weeks. And um, we'll start a new season called Painting the Stars. We're looking at science and uh, changing, evolving faith ideas with, with science and, and uh, new thoughts. So we're calling it Painting the Sky. Uh, anyway, hope you have a blessed day. Go in pieces. That's how we say it here. Go in pieces. Our time is coming to end. Our, has, our task is not ended, though, because as things are being upended, new ideas are always being mended as long as we are going in pieces. And so even when we unravel, we recognize we are traveling together to dispel this illusion that we are separate and the confusion that we might not indeed be one. And so we go in pieces to find in the other ourselves. So go in pieces. Amen. Oh, stick around. We're going to take you higher. <laughs>